Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Anyways, well, God is so good. Um, I've been sharing on the abundance of grace, and, um, and this is just, a, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this series. Last week, if you missed it, you'll have to catch it. I'll give you a quick summary of what I've been sharing on, but um, several years ago, God speak to me just about um, grace and three important aspects of grace. Um, the first one being that grace frees you. A lot of people understand that grace frees you. You know, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. That's from Psalm 103. So grace frees you. That's good. I like the light. Let there be light. I should have spoken it. Um, So grace frees you. We talked about that last week. And a lot of people just kind of stop there. They realize, they kind of just stop right at the cross where the blood was shed and their sins were forgiven. You know, if Jesus had just died at the cross, your sins would have been forgiven, but he didn't just die at the cross. He also rose again. And there's an important aspect to him rising again. So him rising again means that grace can go on and do these next two things for you. So a lot of people are kind of stuck right at the cross, they're kind of stuck B.C., but they need to get over to the, the after the resurrection part, the A.R. I was just thinking, yeah, after the resurrection, anyways, I didn't mean to make a reference towards weaponry. It's another, another message, another, another series, but uh, anyways, grace transforms you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A lot of people still identify with their old identity. They don't identify with their new identity in Christ. A great Bible study to do is to look up all the in Christ, in him, through Christ, through him, by whom, scriptures that that Paul writes about. Paul had a major revelation of of how grace transforms you. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And next week, I'm going to talk about grace empowering you. We need the power of God today. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus has been raised up. That same spirit dwells in you. That's, that's, that's power. Grace empowers you. Jesus said it this way in Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I love power. I love electricity. I love air conditioning. I love gasoline. You know, um, I live in a, in a pretty nice neighborhood, and the HOA takes care of the common areas, but um, the, the, the landscaping company that they had hired to do, you know, our, our big neighborhood um, went under. So for the last few weeks, all of our common areas have not been landscaped. So I live at the end of a cul-de-sac, and there's an island with, with some, some grass and some trees, and it, it was like three feet of weeds out there. And... Um, my neighbors have been complaining about this island for a while. They, they, they've been trying to get the HOA to re-landscape it. And my neighbors have all lived in this neighborhood since they built their homes there 20 years ago. So they're really pesky. You know, they, they, they told me if, that, if they don't take care of it, this is before it got really bad, they're going to put pink flamingos out there. <laughs> you know, to let the HOA know that they mean business. But um, I got out there. I got a, I got, I got a brand new 200cc, you know, Mower, gas mower. I, I, I was looking at those battery-operated things, but they, they die pretty quick. 
And I got a big yard, and I took my mower out there, and I'm going to test this new thing out. I'm going to test it on, you know, these weeds that are like an inch thick, and, and it, it cut it all down. And my next door neighbor, who, who's the one who's been wanting to put pink flamingos out there, he came out, he was really excited, so he got it, came out and, and blowed the, the, you know, the trimmings around, trying to make it look really sharp and slick and nice, and he just said, I'm glad you mowed it, because uh, some of these other neighbors, they're... They got those little gas-powered mowers. I don't think they'd be able to get through that. They'd probably get s stuck in one foot. And uh, we both, at the end of our cul-de-sac, we both are the ones that hang up, you know, our... We vote a certain way. We vote the same way. We like gas-powered things, you know, we like... Anyways, so... We, we, we took care of business. So we need, we need the power of God. Amen? And um, man, grace frees you, grace transforms you, grace empowers you. A lot of people, like I said, get kind of stuck just at the freeing part. You know, and I, I gave you this example last week of a report card. Like grace for you, that's like, that's like God taking your report card with all your past sins, all your past failures, all, all, all of who you were in yourself, and just completely deleting it. It's completely gone. I'm going to talk about it a little bit tonight. There's a word that's used in Romans that kind of talks about this, how our sins are not reckoned to us, our sins are not imputed to us. That word in the Greek, whenever you see reckoned, imputed, counted, it's an accounting term. Logismeo, it sounds like mathematical log, logarithms. I don't remember how to do those anymore. I used to. But it, it means to calculate. God is not calculating, he's not counting, he's not tabulating your sins anymore. You are completely free, amen? But not, he's not just not counting that, he's counting other things for you now. This is the grace transforms it. He's counting Jesus' righteousness to you. So you don't just have a blank slate, you don't just have a blank report card, you now have the righteousness of Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about that scripture and just, just the, the magnificence of that scripture, the magnificence of that reality. So grace transforms you. We have his identity. We have, we, you know, as he was in this world, so are we. Greater, the same works that I did because I go to my Father, you will do them, and greater works than these you shall do also. A lot of people don't like that scripture. That, 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 that is a in Christ kind of scripture. Grace transforms you, but you can't be that on your own. This is why people don't like the transforming scriptures because they don't understand the empowering side of grace. I know who I am in Christ and I get excited because I know it's not me, it's not my strength, it's not my ability, it's not my goodness, it's Jesus Christ, it's his Holy Spirit working in me and through me and that is where grace empowers you. Grace will empower you to be righteous. Grace will empower you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Grace will empower you to be a witness in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. We cannot forget that grace empowers us. Amen? So we're going to talk tonight about that second aspect of grace. And, and when God pours out grace, it is always in abundance. I like what Paul writes in Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. Say abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. 
When grace freed you, it freed you abundantly. When grace transformed you, it transformed you abundantly. When grace empowers you, it empowers you abundantly. We serve a God of abundance. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So I have good news for you. God is in the transformation business. I was just thinking about biblical examples I could use to talk about the transformation side of grace. And there, there are pretty much every page, every story, every life that God touched, radical transformation, abundant transformation, paralytics transformed into dancers, the mute transformed into worship leaders. Harlots transformed into evangelists. Fishermen transformed into pastors. Terrorists transformed into apostles. Slaves transformed into governors. Wimps transformed into warriors. Shepherds transformed into kings. Orphans transformed into sons and daughters. God isn't done transforming lives yet. His grace is still transforming. Grace will transform your life. It will do it abundantly and it will do it radically. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm going to talk, about, and if you're taking notes, you can, I'm going to try to make my notes kind of clear for you verbally here. So my first point, that was just all an introduction. You could just go right there. That, that was some good stuff right there. And my dad's preaching the same message to the youth tonight. I don't know exactly. He has my notes. I don't know if he's going to use them or not. So if you have youth, you know, in the youth room tonight, you'll have to quiz them and see if they took notes. Maybe they'll quiz you. Maybe the, God's not tabulating your report card, but maybe your children are. I know my, my children like to tabulate my rights and wrongs sometimes and Hold it against me. But dad, you said. But God isn't doing that, thank God. All right, the first thing grace transforms us into. Grace transforms you into a new creation. Grace, the abundance of grace transforms you into a new creation. Second Corinthians 5, let's start in verse 17 here. Therefore, if any, anyone is in, I love that word, anyone. Who here is anyone? Anyone. That's a beautiful word. If anyone is in Christ, who here is anyone that is in Christ? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I have a word for you tonight. That word is reconciliation. So if God has, who has God given the ministry of reconciliation to? Who here is a minister, a full-time minister of reconciliation? Us. I, I think that scripture is for us. Not just the preachers, not just the prophets, not just the, uh, but 
The, the, the fivefold ministry gifts that Jesus gives to the church are to equip the saints for the working of the ministry, for the work of the ministry. I, I, love, I love being a minister. I, abs- I absolutely love being a minister, and I love being a pastor. You know, I, 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 I always think it's really sad when people just burn out on ministry. And I saw someone write this long thing about how they, they were, you know, just detoxing from ministry for a few years. And uh, Paul, did, did you have to detox from ministry? Were you, did people hurt you, Paul? Tell me how you feel, Paul. Do you need... Paul's like, detox. Three times I received 40 stripes minus one. Several times beaten, left for dead, shipwrecked in the deep. And he's like, I'm going to keep ministering as much as I can until I win no matter what. Amen. I love the work of the, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a word there, work. You know, I, I oversee the, the worship ministry here, and I was kind of talking about, you know, we don't just show up and magical things happen. It takes work. And it is a music ministry, and if it is a ministry, it, it requires some amount of work. But it's, 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 it's an exciting thing. The ministry of reconciliation, all, all, of, all of our ministry should be about reconciliation. All of our ministry should be about pointing people to Jesus, who reconciled man to God. All, all ministry, that should be the, the, the heartbeat of it. It should, it should focus on Jesus. Someone told me, we, we started this, this ministry, and, and it was to help change these young people's behavior, and and we've been doing it for a while, and their behavior hasn't changed. I said, that is not ever a goal of ministry is to change people's behavior. That is why it failed. But I have good news for you. You, you didn't really fail because that's not a goal of, of anything that we do here is to change people's behavior. It is to point people to Jesus, to, to, to preach reconciliation. And I love that word, Reconciliation. If we are ministers of reconciliation, let's look at that word reconciliation in the Greek. It is katalage. Katalage. It's an accounting term. Again, uh, an accounting term. So it's talking about an exchange, and it's specifically talking about the the business of money changers, exchanging equivalent values. So I was kind of thinking about this. In in Paul's day and age, they probably had to change money a few times. In Israel, they probably had one currency, and when Rome took over, the Roman Empire probably had another currency. So at the same time, you know, the, the Israelites probably still had their shekels, but when they had to pay taxes to Caesar, they had to go get their denarii and exchange shekels for denarii, and they had to go do that somewhere. I remember Heather and I, when we went on our honeymoon, we went to Italy, I took a thousand U.S. dollars, and I thought, here at the airport in Rome, I'm just going to change my money right now. And I I was kind of foolish. I didn't look up the exchange rate. I thought, well, this is the airport, so this has got to be a good exchange, right? And I looked it up after the fact, and I, like, lost 
I got ripped off $200. That was a terrible exchange. I want my US dollars back. You didn't give me enough euros. I didn't realize it until a few days after because there, there were better exchange rates other places. So this word kataloge, it's talking about an exchange, right? And specifically when this, when this word is used in the Bible, it's talking about an exchange where you are restored to divine favor. Whenever you see reconciliation, you should think favor. That's what that word means. That's the result of that exchange is divine favor. I love that this church preaches favor. I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I have a good understanding, and I have supernatural increase. We are ministers of reconciliation, ministers of God's divine favor, this, this beautiful exchange. And he talks about this exchange in accounting terms. That is that God was in Christ reconciling, exchanging, bringing back to favor the world to himself, not imputing, that word imputing. It's that Greek word logizomeo, an accounting term. So he's talking about not imputing their trespasses to them. So God is not tabulating your sins anymore. We can be new, new creations we can be transformed because God is no longer tabulating trespasses against us. Like I said, that old report card, that old you, old things have passed away. Old things have been completely deleted forever. Maybe some of you were bad students and you wish, man, that old report card could just be burned up forever. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors... For Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be exchanged, be brought back to God. And this, this is talking about this, this exchange. So if you can picture someone going to a money exchanger and you weighing out your shekels to get, you know, the Roman denarii, you, you want to get a good exchange. But I'm guessing that exchangers back then were probably like exchangers today. They kept a little bit extra for themselves. But look at this scale here. On one side it said, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Think about the weight of that, the value of that. Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, who knew no sin, the perfect, spotless lamb of God. No sin to become sin for us. Think about the weight of that. Now I want you to think about what's on the other scale, what is also equal weight, equal value, equal importance. And some people, they're ashamed to even confess this. But this is why Jesus did this, so that we could have this, that sinners might become saints, that sinners might, that our sin might now that's not counted again. We are counted righteousness and not just. It, it's such a heavy righteousness. It's such a priceless righteousness. It's such an invaluable righteousness. And like I said, it's, it's, it's an exchange. He became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. A brand new creation. 
Old things have completely passed away. All things have become new. We are now the righteousness of God in him. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Whenever someone, whenever the enemy tries to tabulate sin against you, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm not a saint. I'm not, I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm not a sinner. I am a saint. Make sure you're all paying attention. There will be a quiz afterward from your students. And think about it. Now, now that we are the righteousness of God, he, says, he also says we are ambassadors. I love that. We are ambassadors for Christ. Think, think about an ambassador. If I were to go to, to some other country and be an ambassador, an ambassador is not a citizen of where they are at. They don't even live in territory that's owned by that foreign country. They, they, they live in a little acre that, that is deeded to their country. We are citizens of heaven on loan to the earth. So that, that means this is not our home. This is not our country. This is not where we belong. Our citizenship is in heaven. But as ambassadors, ambassadors are sent to a foreign land to represent and act as an authority for their home country. So I, I know as, as a minister of reconciliation, as a minister of, of employing people to come to Christ, be reconciled to God, be restored back to that divine favor, that I'm not just acting in my own accord. I, I have authority from heaven behind me. Amen. I'm a citizen of heaven. I, I am sent here as a representative for heaven, and I also act as an authority for heaven. I am here to represent Jesus. I am here to represent heaven. I am here to act out on the authority that Jesus has given me. I am here to bring heaven down to this earth. And I, I love that Paul had this, this revelation of Grace transforming him into a brand new creation. I'm sure he talked about that all the time. I know he did. Because I, I, I see him telling his testimony in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in Acts 26. He tells his testimony to King Agrippa. And I love what he tells King Agrippa. He, he talks about the B.C. guy and the after the resurrection guy. He says, before Christ, he said this in Acts 26, verse 9. Starting in verse 9, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's saying, I was an enemy to Jesus. I was an enemy to his kingdom. I was an enemy to his name. And anyone who, who went by his name, went by the name of Christian. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up. I like that he calls them saints now. 
Many other saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He said, I, I was just filled with this exceeding rage, a consuming rage against Jesus, against that name, against everyone who was under that name. But he said, something, something happened on that road to Damascus. Amen. Man, what a powerful way to witness just by sharing your testimony. And he was bold with his testimony, too. This is, this is a king here, King Agrippa. He said, I, I saw, G I had a vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus. This is verse 16. He said to me, rise and stand on your feet, for I have prepared, I have appeared to you for this purpose. I love that word, Purpose. There's always a purpose to God's grace. I've appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. He's saying, you're going to preach about transformation, darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness for sins and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. Man, what, what an awesome revelation of grace transforming you into a new creation. Paul was so transformed. Probably people who, who met him, people who recognized him, people who, he probably looked like a completely different person. Just the whole, the whole spirit, the whole atmosphere around him was radically changed, radically transformed. He had such a reputation as Saul of Tarsus, he probably eventually had to just change his name. I'm now Paul, a bondservant of Christ a love slave of Jesus. So grace, it transforms us into a new creation. My next point about grace, grace puts you in a new family. You are adopted into a new family. Say new family. Let's go to Ephesians 1. My dad and I just started um, recording this week for television where we're, I'm going through Ephesians we thought we would take our time and get through the entire book of Ephesians in eight sessions. We recorded eight sessions and we're only like halfway through. Because I'm there and my dad, dad's there. It's two deep thinkers getting deeper and deeper. Ephesians 1, let's start in verse 3. Man, what a picture of transformation here. Specifically talking about being placed in a new family. Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. I love that Jesus revealed the name, the name of God to us. The, the name that he revealed to, to his disciples, to us believers, is, is the name Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every, I am blessed. Say, I am blessed. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And some people think, well, sure, I'm blessed. Sure, it says every, but heavenly places. That's like in the sweet by and by. No, what you are given in heaven is so important. 
the authority that you are given in heaven is so, the blessing that you're given in heaven, your position that you're given in heaven affects you as an ambassador here on this earth. I'll talk about this in a few minutes, but when, when Jesus sent the 70 out with the authority of his name to, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, they came back and they were like shocked. Now that's happened to me before when I've prayed for someone in that name of Jesus and they were healed and I'm like shocked. I'm like Jesus, that's amazing. And, and I like what he tells those 70, he says, don't rejoice in this. Rejoice in this, that your names are written down in heaven. Rejoice that, that you have heavenly authority. And that's why I can send you out as an ambassador here on earth. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be homely, that we should be not homely. <laughs> God does not want you to be homely. It's another message for another time. You should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's funny. Anyways, well, the pastor said I could be homely. God is, before the foundation of the world, has called me to be homely and just sit around in my sweatpants. Not just during the pandemic, but for the rest of my life. I love this. He has predestined us to adoption as sons. Predestination. God does not destine for anyone to be damned. God, God, the destiny that God has for each and every person on this earth is to be saved, is to be reconciled, is to become a son, and that is God's ultimate will. That is his plan. That is the destiny that he has for all of us. I, I, love, I love, and people get off on weird sovereignty of God things where God just controls everything with his, and you're destined to heaven or destined to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. Whatever happens is God's destiny for you. Wrong. Well, because, man, but destiny, having a sense of destiny is so important. You know, I, years ago, I read this book about, about like, the history of, of preaching in America. And, and one of the, the favorite things that preachers preached at the founding of our nation was providence. There's even a town in Rhode Island named after a, someone's sermon called Providence. Providence is talking about just having a sense of destiny, a sense of... Per that is one thing that the devil has attacked big time in this country. People do not have a sense of destiny, a sense of purpose, a sense of providence. I read, I read a you know, biography about George Washington. And, you know, I, I don't know how close to God he was. Historians say that, you know, he went to an Episcopal church and um, he would never take communion there probably because he was taught that he was unworthy, that he was a sinner. And, but he, he had a sense of, of providence. He, he knew that God, he knew that, that pro, he said, providence has protected me. Pro, he, he had almost been killed multiple times as a young man fighting in battles. But, but he knew that providence, that God, that there was a purpose, there was a plan, there was a destiny to his life from the creator. Having a sense of, it's so important. 
That's why a lot of young people get screwed up. That's why a lot of people in general get screwed up is because they have no sense of providence. They have no sense of purpose, no sense of destiny. But God, God has a destiny for you. He is predestined. It is since time began, God has wanted you to be a son and daughter through Jesus Christ. Even when mankind screwed up, God still had a plan. He even told his plan to Adam and Eve and to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. He looked right at the serpent and told that serpent his destiny. He spoke the gospel to that serpent. And the gospel was this, that the seed of that woman, the heel of that woman is going to crush your head. And Paul, at the end of Romans, in Romans 16, he said, now you are crushing his head. Now all the saints, it's not just Jesus. Jesus isn't the only serpent crusher. Now everyone who's filled with his spirit, everyone who's called by his name, can crush the serpent's head. Don't rejoice that you... Rejoice that I saw Satan fall like lightning... Satan is the ultimate wimp. He has no power over any believer whatsoever. Having verse 5, having predestined us to the adoption as, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. And I love that word adoption. You know, there are no accidental adoptions. Maybe, maybe you think, well, I, I, was, I was an accident. I was an oops. I was a whoopsie. Really, if, if you're here, God has a purpose for you. you know, Heather was telling me she was watching a message by Christine Kane where she was saying, um, as an adult, her and her brother found out that they were adopted. Her parents tried to keep it a secret from them, but you know, they found out after her father had passed away that they had been adopted. And um, her father, when, when he died, he, he like told their mother, Dude, like, this is my last will, is to never tell them they were adopted. They found out they were adopted, and they, they, they kind of searched for their, their history, their records. And um, Christine Kane discovered when she was born, her birth mother did not even give her a name. Her legal name when she was born was number 52738. No name, no name. She was a number, no name. It doesn't matter who has rejected you here on this earth. It doesn't matter who has thought of you as, as low value, no value, unimportant. God has accepted you in the beloved. That, that is the greatest acceptance of all. I remember when I was applying for college when I was 18, they, they said to look for the fat letter because the fat letters are the acceptance letters. And the skinny letters are the rejection letters. God wrote you this acceptance letter. This outweighs any little skinny rejection letter that anyone has ever, that, that a boyfriend, that a girlfriend, that a parent, that a teacher, that an ex-spouse, that an ex-boss, this outweighs any rejection letter that anyone has ever given you. You have the greatest acceptance letter in the universe. 
We're accepted in the beloved. We are adopted. Adoptions are always intentional. The thing about adoptions, whoever is adopting you knows what they're getting. When I married Heather, she was a, a widow with, with a, a four-year-old boy. When I married her, I, I, knew, I knew I was getting a son. And I knew the son that I was getting. It was an intentional thing. And, and God, God spoke to me, and he, he, he did something in my heart where, where I knew that Fisher was my son. And God spoke to me and said, hey, Aaron, you're going you're gonna to be influential. You're going to be a great preacher. You're going to do a lot for my kingdom. But, but one of the greatest privileges of your life will be being a father to Fisher because his influence is going to surpass yours. And shortly after we got married, Fisher just in his own heart, we didn't coach him, we didn't teach him. Just in his own heart, he started calling me dad. Just on his own as a five-year-old, he started calling me Dad, God, God, God loves family. Man, he, he loves family. He loves people who are, who are orphans, people who were childless, people who were alone, people who just were bachelors at the age of 32 just with their dog, Winston. Fisher, Fisher, this is a couple years ago, he's like, what was it like before you had me and mom? I said, well, it was just me and Winston, and we'd you know, go on walks and watch TV, and he's like, he just like started crying. He's like, that's so sad. <laughs> and now I have Heather, and I have Fisher, and I have Ada, and I have Willie. And that, that, that is, talk about transformation. My life is much different before Heather and after Heather. We're in a new family. Now look at this. It gets better. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. <laughs> Fisher as a son, he has a son's identity. He's asked me, Dad, how much money do you have? <laughs> Dad, what happens when you die? <laughs> what happens if you and mom die? And I said, Fisher, well, you will get, well, I joke with him. I said, well, I'm going to give it all to Winston. So I've not changed my will since I met your mom and you. So Winston will be the richest dog in all of Colorado. I said, Fisher, you will get 50% and Ada will get 50%. You are my son. She's my daughter. We get an inheritance. Some people think, well, inheritance. Like, what's our inheritance from God? Like, we're sons, but we're kind of, I'm like the, the redheaded stepson. I'm like the Cinderella of the family. There, there are no Cinderellas in God's family. There are only sons and daughters. And I, I, like, I like that in the scripture, it uses this word, we are co-heirs with Jesus. Co-heir. We get 
Ada is a co-heir with Fisher. If we are a co-heir with Jesus, does that mean we just get the old silverware and that's it? Co-heir. You know, I, I um, a couple of years ago, I paid someone to, to research the Purdue ancestry, and they went back like 13 generations of Purdue's, and we have... They found a lot of great documents, but I remember um, there was a Purdue that fought in the Revolutionary War, uh, Malachi Purdue. And I think he was a character. I have his, uh, he divorced his wife, and I have like the divorce settlement. He had a provider with a house and with a feather bed and with so many bushels of sugar and wheat each year, and he had to keep her up. But when Malachi Purdue died, he had like 13 children, and they were all not co-heirs. Three of them received one dollar. And it said, for reasons known to myself. <laughs> those reasons went to the grave with Malachi, and I'm not a descendant of one of those $1 heirs. I'm a descendant of another heir that got a couple feather beds and some acreage in, in Virginia. We are co-heirs with Jesus. We are all co-heirs with him. Amen. We have an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. I love that. We have a new family. And the picture, I mean, it's, it's radically different. Man, my, my life is, is radically different, radically amazing now that I have. God brought me Heather and Fisher, and Ada, and even Willie. God knew that I would need to grow in patience and gave me this thorn in the flesh by the name of Willie. <laughs> by his grace. I remember, I remember before, before Heather, you know, I, I, I went to school forever. And I um, always felt like I was in Babylon. Like... It's just me, and uh, um, there weren't many Christians, and the ones that I met weren't really on fire for Jesus. Heather and I were talking about this, just the importance of, of going to church. Man, go, go to church, get your kids to church, get your youth to church, make, make it a priority to go to church, especially a good church, and this is a good church. I, I, uh, if I ever like met a girl and would get coffee or whatever and she said she was a Christian, I, I get kind of excited. I'm like, oh, there's another one in the sea of Babylonians. But the, one of the first things I'd ask is like, well, well, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. And it's just like, mm, immediate, like for me, is immediate deal breaker. No. I, I didn't even realize it, but now looking back, I'm like, it was a big deal for me. And thankfully, I met someone who went to church, and that's where we met, was at church. That's a great place to meet. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people met their spouses at the, at the well. You know, Abraham's servant met Isaac's future bride at the well. The well is a symbol of, of life, of water of of church this is this is a drinking well we even have a verse up there if you thirst this is this is a well 
for thirsty people. And the world is a dry place, and we need to go to the well. Amen? But, um, you know, uh, my, my middle brother, Andrew, he, he had gotten married, and he, he had a, a kid, and then another kid, and my youngest brother got married. My, my best friend, who, who was very awkward and I thought would never get married, got married. And uh, was having kids, and, and um, um, but man, God, God is so awesome. His, his sense of timing is is so amazing. His sense of it's just so you know. When I married Heather, I I, I became a dad to Fisher, and Fisher is the, the same age as as my brother Andrew's oldest daughter, and Fisher's the same age as my best friend's oldest daughter. You know, my best friend had another kid that's the exact, was born just two weeks before Ada was. God, God just, you, you don't have to worry about feeling behind or feeling left out. God, 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 he makes everything beautiful. He makes everything perfect. He, he, he man, he, he's in the transformation business and the way he transforms it, it it's, it's, it's far more beautiful than you can possibly imagine or think about. So his grace puts you into a new family. I'm going to have to finish the rest of my message next week. Because it's 8.20. And I'm trying to beat my dad. Because he, he gets on to me if I go a little too long. So I'm going to try to finish a little before him. So next week I'm going to finish my last two points. On grace transforms you. And they are super powerful. But grace, I'll just give them to you now. So in case your kids are quizzing you. And then I'll explain them next week. And this is good, because I'm really excited about these last two points, and I want to do a good job talking about them. So grace, I said it transforms you into a new creation. You're adopted into a new family. Next week, I'll talk about grace. It transforms you. It places you in a new position. And also, grace gives you new purpose. New purpose. And I think there's a lot of people who need to understand that new purpose side of things. God is always doing something new. He's making streams in the desert. He's, he wants to do new things in you. It doesn't matter how long you've been at it, how long you've been living the faith life. He wants to new mercies every day, new mercies, new grace for new purpose. Amen. There, there's always a purpose to, to his grace. So we're going to talk about new purpose. So I'm going to give you my conclusion tonight. God's grace brings radical transformation. Amen. Say this with me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I have been adopted. I have been accepted. I have an acceptance letter. I have a thick letter that I can get excited about. I remember when I was 18, I really wanted to, to get into a certain college. It's in Pennsylvania. There's some Pennsylvanias visiting here tonight. What an awesome state. They have, they have a rich heritage in Pennsylvania. I really wanted to go to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, and I was working at the time at Baskin Robbins for minimum wage, $5.15 an hour. And uh, there was a letter from Carnegie Mellon, and one of my, I think it was one of my brothers drove it down to me because I was at work. And I looked at it, and I saw it was a skinny letter. And I got really upset. 
It's like scooped, a really big scoop for someone. I was so mad, like they got a triple scoop in one. Take that scoop. And then I opened it. And it said, the fat letter will be coming, but you are accepted. So I was really excited. <laughs> so I hope tonight, tonight was just a little skinny letter for some of you. Maybe you've never really heard that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, that he wants you to be his son, he wants you to be his daughter. You just got the skinny letter tonight. But there is more to come. There is more love letters from God coming. There is more acceptance letters from God coming. Amen. There's always more. He's calling you into deeper and deeper sonship, deeper and deeper an understanding of what you have as part of his family. Amen. Being a co-heir with Jesus. All right. Well, Heather's going to come up and um, take up the offering for us. Don't everybody clap at once. <laughs> Look, whenever you start talking about money, everybody's like. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Y'all are big givers. If you got offended by giving, you wouldn't be here. Right? Um, if you wanted to give a tithe or an offering tonight, you can do so by texting. To give, you can download our app. You can... Um, Fill out the envelope in front of the seat, in the seat pocket in front of you and drop it off in one of the offering stations as you go out the door. Just make sure you put it in the slot. And um, if you're watching online and you're still here, you are abundantly blessed. You are. So um, when God, I love what Pastor Aaron said, when God pours out grace, it is always in abundance. When grace empowers you, it empowers you abundantly and radically. I love that word, probably because I'm a bit of a radical. Uh, when we give, we always want to give out of God's abundance in joy and by faith. And I love what 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says in the Amplified Version. It says, for you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich, abundantly blessed. Amen. And that's talking about your finances. The more I found out about God's grace, the more I found out I didn't know about God's grace. Like when I first moved here, this was just, what, we've been married almost, how long? Three years? Three, four, three. So four years I've been living here. But so just four years ago, when I moved here, I thought God's grace was just the grace that got me saved. You know, that amazing grace. But then when I moved here, somebody said, you have grace for that. And I was like, I have grace for what? <laughs> and then I realized I have grace to raise my kids. I have grace to be married. I have grace to deal. No, I shouldn't say deal. To have church family. I have grace to drive down the road and not yell at whoever cuts me off or doesn't use their blinker. Because in this town, it is a lot. I don't know why these people cannot use their blinker in this town. It's pathetic. She's from Tennessee. I might put your blinker on and they'll let you over. And Aaron's like, no, if you put your blinker on, they won't let you over. And I'm like, whatever. Anyway, but God has grace for us, thank God. Not just in our day-to-day, -day, but he has grace in our giving. And when we give by faith, he just opens up those windows of heaven and pours us out a blessing that we can't, we don't even have a room enough to receive. Amen. So when you give tonight, I'm believing that you, you already are abundantly blessed, but you're going to see God work things out for you this week and as you go forward in ways that you never have before.
So it's awesome. Yeah, I, I um, God kind of showed me something um, just last night. We're having a music practice here, and uh, a member of our team, Ben Luna. I, every every week um, when when we have practice, I, I do it. Someone from the team will do a devotional, and then I pick someone. I call it a the hot seat. So I make them sit in the middle of us. We're all up here on stage, sitting crisscross applesauce like kindergartners. And uh, you think this is so special and annoying. We're just like sitting up here like kindergartners. And then uh, I put Ben in the hot seat. The hot seat means we go around and um, we just minister to that person. We just share encouragement, share just something positive for them or maybe a word or a scripture just uh, but I picked Ben Luna because he just got engaged to Sean Bloss who also works at the church and um, so if you see Ben and Sean you have to congratulate them but I was telling Ben um, that uh, marriage it's a it's a step of faith because you don't always know what you're walking into some of you have been married a while and you still don't know what's going on <laughs> you're still Amen. reading that letter how, of how to understand women. It's, it's a big, it's a big one. Whatever. Is you, this there, is supposed to be enough. about giving, Aaron. This is well, not... well uh, so this, this, is what I, this is what I realized when I told Ben. When you, when you take a step of faith and, and, and you like, God is telling you to do it, man, just, just the thing, the, the grace that is revealed to you is just so magnificent, so beautiful. It, it far surpasses what you could even think about or imagine. And, and, if God's telling you to take a faith step with giving, maybe maybe you've never tithed before. Hey, I want to start being a tither. I want to start giving the first 10%. Or, maybe I want to give a special... Man, if, if God is prompting you to do something, giving that's a step of faith, man, just just do it. And, uh, man, the grace that that that, that shows up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... You're going to know, yeah, that was, that was God that told me to do that big time. And I think when I married Heather... I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to be a husband yet. I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of, I still don't know everything. I know, I usually claim that I know all things. By faith. By faith, yeah, but <laughs> I'm still learning. But uh, man, it's so much better than what I even thought about. You know, God, God's gifts to you when you step out in faith and um, man, the grace for it, it's just so, so much more beautiful than you could possibly think or imagine. And there, there is a grace to giving, a huge, abundant grace for givers. So, man, if God, God's telling you to take a faith step and give, just do it because that grace is going to be amazing. Amen? Well, let's all stand up. I'm going to close this out in prayer here tonight. So I thank you, God, for everyone here tonight. I just thank you that they, they were not here by accident. But, Lord, I just thank you that you predestined them to be here. You predestined them to watch this um, show right now online. Lord, I just thank you that, that they are not here by accident. They are here on purpose, for a purpose, Lord. And I just thank you that when there is divine purpose, there is always divine grace, Lord. So I just thank you that, that for everyone here tonight, you are just going to be pouring out your abundant grace in ways that just blow their minds. So I just thank you right now in Jesus' name that your grace is being poured out in new and fresh ways in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, it's great to see you all tonight. Everyone is dismissed. If you would like individual prayer, if you never heard a message like this, if you, you always thought God hated you and you were an outcast, you need to come up and, and become a son and daughter tonight. Amen. So if you need prayer, come up. We'd be happy to pray for you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, 
go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.